If you're a business owner, consider switching to Empower Payments and experience unmatched savings. If we can't reduce your processing fees, we'll give you $5,000 cash. That's our guarantee to you. Discover more at EmpowerPayments.com today. That's EmpowerPayments.com. The Casey Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs players getting their inside perspectives on their career, the past Chiefs game, and a look ahead to the upcoming one. Tonight's special guest is Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Uh, Nick will be joining us right here in the second segment. Dylan is actually here for the first segment. Dylan, you're normally behind the the wall over here. You're my bodyguard here, if you will. And now you're over here. How's it feel? I don't think anyone would have to be your bodyguard. I'm pretty sure you can handle yourself very well, Sterling. I, don't, uh, I'm, I think you're the one that's the muscle around here. That was the biggest lie we have heard. No, no. Um, I am – who was the uh, – Ted Ginn. Remember Ted Ginn in the NFL? Yes. Yeah, yes. That, that, that's the version of me. I, I am directly running out of bounds. I, I'm You've not never been in hit. a fight because no one tries you, basically, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> No one stepped to you once. Have you heard that's me a talk? Good, that's a know, good man. record. I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a bleep talker. There but go. there's a lot to talk about today. Again, we'll talk a lot with Nick Lowry in the second segment as we hear live at Hollywood Casino. Speaking of Hollywood Casino, Friday, December 22nd, they are doing a pie giveaway. 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Print your pie voucher at the nearest kiosk between 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. Pies are available to pick up at the promotions area from 3 to 7. Play members uh, must earn 25 tier points from 5 a.m. to 6.45 p.m. to receive a pie of your choice. Advantage and preferred members, your choice of one cherry or apple. And then elite or owner's club members, one cherry and one apple pie. Pin Heroes members get one cherry and one apple pie. Thank you for your service. Are you a cherry or apple man, Dylan? Cherry or apple? Apple. I'm a cherry man. See, we'd be good at this because we could split it that way. Right. Yeah. I like that about us. Uh, Sky Moore, big news, is placed on the IR. Um, He was forced to leave Sunday's game with a swollen knee. Now, maybe I'm a little cynical here. I I, I wonder, um, one, how bad it really is. But my thought process in regards to Sky Moore being placed on the IR is he's been a disappointment. The Chiefs have some wide receivers they might try to get back into the fold, a.k.a. Justin Ross, obviously, who's now healthy. He's uh, off his suspension. He was off, could have actually played this week, but he said he was not going to. uh, They said he was not going to, barring something drastic happening, but they might try and get him more involved now. And then obviously McCall Hart, whenever he comes off of the IR, will they need a roster spot? Well, the easiest way to do that is Sky Moore has a little bit of an injury. You're in week 15. Place him on the IR. He's not been good, man. I, I I feel bad to an extent for Sky Moore. You know, you always feel bad for guys who are underperforming at the same time. It's tough to feel too bad when they're making multi-million dollars. I understand that. But Sky Moore has been maybe the biggest disappointment in a wide receiver room that has been full of them. Now, I was very high on Sky Moore. Uh, he was a great route runner coming out of college. A lot of 
reasons to be optimistic about him. All the combine numbers. I kept saying he reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson from the Steelers. I mean, they were uh, eerily similar in a lot of those combine numbers, production numbers, just how they get open as well, the size, small school, all of that stuff. The issue is I thought Sky Moore was going to have better hands. Uh, quite frankly, he did not. He's the same hands as Deontay Johnson, and he doesn't get open. Not a great combination. So Sky Moore placed on the IR. My other thought process here is if you're going to have someone else active, Another guy I'm thinking about the Chiefs could potentially move. Now, not wide receivers. I know people are upset with MVS and uh, Kadarius Tony. They're not eating that money. They're not moving on from MVS or Kadarius Tony. They're going to do that that much uh, switch at this time of the season. Look at the defensive tackle spot. Right, they've struggled there, and they even tried Mike Pinnell last game against the Patriots. They Mike Pinnell, remember him from 2019. I do. Same Mike Pinnell. It's the same the Mike Pinnell. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I liked him in 2019, 2023. I don't know about it. But they're trying anything at D-tackle uh, to, to try someone Super alongside. Super Bowl champion, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Ring him to put alongside Chris Jones on the interior. But you've seen Neil Farrell, who they traded for early this year from the Raiders. He's been a healthy scratch all season long. Um, obviously, Turk Wharton is there. Derek Nadi has been ineffective. But you see Neil Farrell, Mike Pinnell, um, you know, this past week, Matt Dickerson was uh, Dickinson, sorry, was also uh, a healthy scratch. You know, on the fifty-three man. So I wonder if the Chiefs actually try and get McColl or Justin to get the other spot for one of them. You have one with Sky. The other might come from defensive tackle. I don't know your thoughts there. Well, the more glaring need, obviously, is a wide receiver. So if they were looking to ease everyone's tension in the fan base, probably the Justin Ross move would be the one, uh, or the McCall Hardman, but. Also wouldn't hate that you shore up the best unit on the team. So, yeah. you know, you can really go no, make no wrong decisions in that realm uh, if you're going to target two areas of weakness with that spot. It's just which player actually gives you a better chance at what you currently had. Like, which replacement is actually going to be an improvement? Sure. Are those two receivers going to be an improvement? Over the D-line improvement that you could see from whoever you plug in there. Sure. Because there could also be some people that we're not even talking about that are on the couch right yeah. now on the D-line. You have a lot more of those op- options, I'd imagine, yeah, than no. the wide receiver ones. Mike Evans ain't getting cut anytime soon. No. Uh, Andy Reid on wide receiver Richie James says he's got to play more than two snaps. Says that's his responsibility for not getting him involved in the offense. Again, now with Sky Moore getting placed on the IR Richie James seems like a real good one-for-one. Now, you know me, Dylan. I've been the most optimistic Richie James fan out there even before you came to Kansas City. I love what he did at the tail end of last season with the Giants. He took over that wide receiver one spot. He was very talented at getting open, at getting separation, and then also making some tough catches. He had very sure hands with Danny Danny Dime throwing him the ball. Well, now you have Mahomes throwing him the ball. You think there would be a little something better there. Even in his limited action, he's getting targeted, right? Two snaps. And he's making an impact. I love him as a return man as well. I want to see Richie James' snaps go up. And I think we're finally going to see it. It was interesting because when he was placed on the IR this season, there was talks about him trying to, uh, uh, the Chiefs potentially trying to trade him. Well, now he's here, and he might be the second best option behind Rasheed Rice. I'm very glad they did not trade him. I think he wanted the trade, right? Well, he, he kind of wanted it as well. There was no opportunity for him right at the time. Right, because they were going to clearly play Kadarius when healthy. Sky Moore is the second rounder. They're going to play him. Rasheed Rice was still emerging, but he was becoming the guy that we're starting to see this uh, tail end of the season. And then MVS, they, they, they were dead set on playing him and Justin Watson. So Richie James at the time was the odd man out. 
Well, now it looks like he's the odd man in. Everyone else on the outs because no one can catch the rock. Right. At least try something new, okay? And I like seeing Richie James and hearing Andy Reid say, we've got to play more than two snaps. I hope that's not just press conference fodder and actually something that happens. You in? I'm in. I mean, I'm. Uh, any change right now is going to be welcomed. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Sky Moore news is honestly seems like some people are thinking that it's going to lead to a positive addition to the wide receiver room. Even though it's kind of negative news, you don't want a sure. guy to go on the IR ever, no matter how bad he's put. Like, yeah. Sky Moore, you never know. He caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So yeah. you never know who's going to be needed in what moment. So you never want to shelf anyone for injury that stinks. If you can get a better receiver in that spot, obviously that's going to be massive. But how bad can you be if you're behind Sky Moore and Tony? <laughs> like, how, you know, if you can't beat out what we have for reps already. Yes. Then what are we supposed to expect? Which, I'm going to have a long-winded Justin Ross conversation with you in the third segment today. We'll, again, be joined by Nick Lowry in uh, the second segment. But I have too much thoughts for uh, Justin Ross in the next, I don't know, three or so minutes. So that will be saved for the third segment. Because I think there's some fun talk to be had about Justin and the fan base's optimism with him. At times being labeled the savior of the wide receiver room, which I think, uh, quite frankly little asinine, but Andy Reid declined to go into whether he'll cut back on Kadarius Tony's opportunities. Quote, he's got to make sure he catches the ball. He's got a tremendous amount of talent, good attitude, good kid. Then went on to say, I'll leave it at that. For Andy Reid, that's pretty scathing. Yeah. I mean, Andy Reid is always, you know, good kid, this, that, and the other. But when you say, I will leave it at that, sounds like a guy who might be getting his snap count scaled back yeah and at some point i mean the fact that he dropped that right yeah yesterday i mean obviously they didn't go right back to him there wasn't a play design that went right back to him right after he was on the sideline he wasn't even on the field he came back in about two plays after yes and i believe it was only for one play that was correct and uh, jason anderson located found sleuthed around the internet and is all 22 and found that actually he was lined up off sides, I think, on that play, <laughs> believe it or not. And Andy oh, was actually it. speaking to him very aggressively. Measured. He was measured. Okay. He, was, he was very measured for how upset he could have been and should have been in that moment at him. Um, but Jason Anderson had a good find on basically the next play he was on the field. He was uh-huh. actually lined up offsides. What I find fascinating is everyone thinks he's super talented. And, and I understand that, right? When you are a first-round draft pick, you see the measurables, the athleticism. Right. It stands off out, out, out at you. I get that. But we've seen a lot of athletic dudes do hardly anything in the NFL. And, and how much of that is actual potential? Like, let's be real. I'm not saying he is. But Darius Hayward Bay, right. everyone talked about his speed, athleticism, being all the potential in the world, but he could not catch. Yep. He couldn't get open. Didn't matter. John Brown, the Chiefs yep. had him for a hot minute. Um, the guy they had this year, the other Ross. Uh, Justin, that's right, that's right. Um, John Ross. Yep. But I guess also John Brown is uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. column A, column Same B there. One, yeah. um, and to an extent, Dante Hall had a great career here in Kansas City, right? But no one is saying he was an amazing wide receiver. And I don't rem- I don't recall everyone saying he had great potential as a wide receiver here just because he was super athletic, right? Why, why, does, why do we equate athleticism with all of a sudden he has to be extremely talented? 
Because I found myself getting caught into the that uh, conversation. Well, I keep saying, well, he's talented. Maybe eventually he'll figure it out. Yeah. And Jerry Rice ran a four six. So you know, that all means great. And but you can get on the football field and you're four two turns sure. into a four eight because you have no idea where you're going or what you're doing half the time. Amon Ross St. Brown. I talked to him earlier this season. and He said it perfectly. He can tell right away if a dude can play or can't, and it's not based on what you oh, did in no. the combine. Mm-hmm. Like. If you look at Amon Ross St. Brown, one of the, what, top ten wide receivers in the NFL right now? I, I think he's top ten. I think, it, yeah. I, I think Amon Ross St. for I think easy argument easy, top ten. Yeah. Go back and look at the combine numbers. Look at look, look at what he ran. Right. It doesn't jump out at you. No. But what does he do? Catches the rock, he gets open. There's so much more than being fast and athletic. Because Kadarius Tony, for all he is, how often have we seen him one-on-one downfield? Yeah. I mean, the combine is necessary, but not final. Like, yes. if that makes sense. It's it's a necessary evil because it really doesn't show anyone anything as far as football speed, football mentality, and smarts, and all that stuff. It's essentially the bare minimum basics of what a football player needs. And if you can't meet those, that's obviously a terrible start as far as being sure. a pro. Yeah. But that is not what you should say, a la Isle Davis. This guy runs a four two. Let me draft Gotta a. Let me draft a gunner. <laughs> Uh, basically, a journeyman gunner in the first round. Yeah. Well, he did with the kicker that worked out for him, all right. But I he will. Did, I, I, I will actually, I think he drafted. Was it Leckler up there? Uh, Shane Leckler, the yeah, punter. He was like yeah, a second yeah. rounder. Uh, but again, in regards to Kadarius Tony, I think we're getting fooled. I, th- oh, yeah. I think we're getting fooled. Well, and, and maybe the Chiefs, they did, got fooled as well. Because they keep trying to replace Tyreek Hill when you can't. You're not going to replace Tyreek Hill. You're, no. McCall Harmon was a miss. This guy's a miss. Just draft. Uh, you, I just you know because you miss out on D- six three. But you, but again, it seems that simple. You missed out on DK Metcalf because yeah. you took McCall Hardman because you wanted to George replace Tyreek Hill. Even Higgins. though DK Metcalf is just as good of a deep threat, yeah, not, not as good. But you could have replaced Tyreek Hill with DK Metcalf as far as stretching the field, getting people into deeper coverages to open up the middle of the field, things like that. If you're Andy Reid, yeah. And you missed. And so it's like, how many guys do not make it to their player option as a first-rounder on the team that they were drafted by? Oh. Um, I mean, a lot, I'm sure. I, I'm sure a lot. But I how mean, many have been Chase traded did, for? Yeah, a lot were traded you know? for, yeah. No, I'm saying, though, how many people have just gone and said, oh, I'm going to trade for that guy, even though he's had so many issues that he hasn't even made it, not even to his player option. He hasn't even made it to, <laughs> but I'm saying, yeah, he hasn't even made it to the player option yet. Sure. He hasn't even made it to that point. No. So, but we traded, what, a fifth rounder for it? Third and a... Oh, even worse. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Well, we Just are here better. live at KC. We're live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speed with the KC Legend Show. We will take a quick break. Come back with we'll joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome again to the KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Again, we'll be here until 7 p.m. Tonight's special guest is Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. As always, Nick is presented by El Bendito Yankee Tequila. So smooth, it's criminal. Go to your local Hy-Vee and pick up some of the best tequila out there. Nick, how are you? I am good. I, I think we deserve a little El Bandito Yankee tequila after uh, a very much needed win. We uh, 
we got some breaks. I mean, we got some calls for us, which, you know, when we talk about the previous two weeks and some bad calls, let's face it, we got some pretty good calls, too. We had a 46-yard kickoff return at the beginning that was negated by a holding penalty. Then he had a face mask against Demario Douglas that ended one of their drives. Then he had Hunter Henry, who had a touchdown nullified because of another holding penalty. And then Sky Moore's fumble was erased because of defensive holding. So, you know, in the uh, this was a game where we made the plays to win. We overcame Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, being shut down at five catches, 28 yards. He, he had a little bit of that empty look in his face because Bill Belichick did a Bill Belichick and held the, the prime offensive weapon for the Chiefs besides Patrick himself. But we made the plays that we had to, and, and let's – acknowledge the gains when, for the most part, we got some pretty good calls. Yeah. I, I, I will say, Nick, and you and I talked about this before the game, you know, Bill Belichick is the best in the NFL still, even on a three-win team that he is coaching, at taking away one player, and they took away Travis Kelsey. He forced someone else to step up. Two players stepped up for Kansas City specifically, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, especially as a pass-catching running back, as well as Rasheed Rice, who had nine catches, 91 yards, and one touchdown. How impressed were you with those two guys specifically? Well, you know, it's interesting how quickly a player will ascend or descend in the consciousness of the public. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think he'd probably readily say, I'm still the same guy. But because of that, you know, piston-like, just relentless nature of Pacheco, you know, he was um, put on the back burner. And it was wonderful and refreshing, not just with that 40 or that 46-yard uh, 48-yard uh, screen pass, which blew things you know, into more positive energy for us uh, in the first half. But then that catch in the end zone, if you remember, classic Patrick Mahomes rushing to his left, throwing in a way that most quarterbacks can't do across his body and then floating it beautifully. It's just not easy to do, to throw a touch over a defender who is taller than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then to see him, I, I, I've actually frozen the photo of that and put that on the top of my Facebook page because he's up there in the air. It's a beautiful catch, and those plays inspire the team. We have lacked inspiration lately, and that was, uh, you know, to me, the epitome of an inspiring effort by Clyde. I hope we see more of him. Uh, I'm not sure what the latest is with Pacheco, but obviously we hope we'll have him back for the for the playoffs. But uh, the other part of it is the inexorable, consistent um, improvement uh, and added inclusion in the game plan with Rasheed Rice. I mean, it wasn't just the catches; it was also that nice little uh, shuffle pass from Jarek McKinnon for a touchdown as well. So they're intensely using Rasheed Moore. I think that builds more confidence for him. And, you know, you can't legislate three, four years of experience. you got to do it. And the experience in college is not the same as the experience in the National Football League when you're the reigning world champion and everybody's expecting you to fill the, the shoes of, of a Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, I'm, I'm really getting more optimistic about at least Rasheed, if not, um, you know, really – a whole lot of output from the rest of the receiving core. 
Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. And luckily, Isaiah Pacheco is expected back against Vegas, according to Andy Reid. I do want to ask you this. You will know better than anyone else here, uh, Harrison Butker missed his first field goal of the season. I was so hoping he would be perfect, but he bounced back and drilled a 54-yarder as well in this one. I, I, I want to ask you, I, I don't know if I've noticed this all season long, but I noticed it in this game specifically. It kept seeing like he was falling down to one knee on every single kick. Has this been normal for him, or is this just a uh, something you notice as well in this game? Well, if you compare, if you want to look at details, look at the difference between the Kansas City Chiefs' beautiful grass field, right, with prescription-type turf where there is uh, more intensity and grit in the natural grass versus these rubberized turf fields that have a little bit too much give. It's the same thing as at the Jets' field where Aaron Rodgers had a little bit too much give, and it, you know, tore his Achilles tendon. I think they're going to begin to legislate out, speaking, using that word for a second time, um, those fields, because the rubber itself is just not organic or natural in the way the body moves, the way the knees and the torque uh, around the knee and the ankles uh, when you're twisting. And so what he was doing was just basically making sure he had a good follow-through because it's just not the natural way it feels when you're on a grass field when the cleats dig straight in. So, you know, it shows what an athlete he is. And frankly, once again, what a champion he is to come back from his first miss. Uh, that reminds me of a miss I had in the first quarter against the, <laughs> against the Patriots many years ago. And luckily, uh, the kicker for uh, the Patriots missed one too. Chad Ryland, poor guy, he's missed uh, seven field goals this year. So that helped us as well. But, uh, you know, we kept churning. We kept moving. There was some elasticity and imagination in the play calling, I, I felt, that had been somewhat missing the previous few weeks. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest as I'm here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Going back to Mahomes here, outside of one throw, right, the the force to Blake Bell, which, yeah, Blake Bell probably shouldn't get the ball ripped out of his arms. I get that. But also, you're throwing the ball four yards downfield in your own, on first down, on your old own side of the 20 to a third-string tight end. Uh, didn't seem to be the move, in my opinion, but only one real bad throw from Mahomes in this game. What did you see from him in totality again Travis Kelsey was taken away and he was out there trusting for the most part his secondary and tertiary guys well on Clyde Edwards Hilaire's touchdown uh one of the things that you know it went by default you don't notice it unless you're really looking for it is Travis had taken the coverage away he'd taken and distracted the coverage in his direction which gave some space at the back of the end zone for Clyde so there's one thing I will say though and you know I'm not sure if it is coaching, uh, I'm not sure if the receiver's coach really has uh, the same input with the way the tight ends receive. But Blake Bell, same thing with jo- with the coming back for the ball on that fourth and 23 at the end of a game earlier in the year where the receiver stops and stands, which gives the coverage people time to close on them as opposed to taking two, three steps back towards the ball when there is that intervening half second to a second. And Blake didn't step back towards the ball, which might have given him a chance at the very least to, to knock the ball down, to not have it intercepted. And the ball was slightly behind him as well. But, you know, I'll take one mistake a game. It's when we've seen Patrick occasionally seem to be maybe a little bit too um, informal, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 
the confidence that he has moving into this time of the season, this is the nut-cutting time, as they say, this is what we need. Um, now, we're not going to spend all day because everybody else, I guarantee you, has spent the rest of the day talking about Kadarius Tony. It's just, <laughs> to me, it's a, foregone, it's a foregone conclusion, you know. It's just, I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, he's physically as gifted as any of the receivers. But mentally, there's something just not there, and it's going to get us killed if we're not careful. Ironically, we, we won't forget what he did for us in the Super Bowl, but at this point, it's a foregone conclusion that he's just more of a liability. Yeah, and I was going to ask you this. I mean, do you think he's in his head right now? Do you think there's any sort of hope, maybe if not for this year, for next year? Or is it time for him to have some new scenery or maybe just not NFL material in general? Like, again, you see the athleticism, right? And I, I think everyone always goes back to the one specific catch where he, he, he jumps up, he readjusts his, his glove and comes down with the ball. But I'm also sitting here going, yeah, but John Baldwin made one incredible catch one time, too. It didn't mean that he was going to end up being a stud in the NFL. How much of Kadarius Tony is talent, and how much of it is he, he in his own head, almost the yips, if you will? I think it's got to be 80-90% in his head. Um, you know, Those kind of mistakes, um, beginning with the opening game itself, when that touchdown really you know, basically cost the game, uh, those are difficult things. One thing to drop the ball, it's another thing to, to yip it into the air where they can intercept it. And it's tough. You know, it's got to be frustrating for Patrick because you know, it's sort of like when you're offensive line and you're the kicker and you keep a beautiful field goal, but somebody completely blew the block and they're four feet into the backfield and they blocked the field goal. Is that really a missed field goal? Same thing with yeah. his uh, interception. That's not really an interception. It's really more misplay on the part of the receiver. So uh, in the end, you've got to have consistency, and in the end, it's up to Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and the coaching staff to see, with all the effort we're putting in, do we have to put in too much extra effort for Kadarius? Do we have to coddle him, or can he man up and own his stuff and, and you know just basically mature into the professional who makes no excuses? And whether that time has come, I'd say a lot of people think it has, but in the end, I don't ever want to say somebody can't come back from that. That's one of the great things about sports is the stories where you think somebody's counted out. You know, it's the Rocky story. Counted out and gets back up on the on the ninth count. Let's hope that that's the case for Kadarius. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. Uh, I want to bring up the defense here, right? They give up 10 points in the first half, 10 points actually in the second quarter. Um, New England was moving the ball fairly effectively. Bailey Zappi was looking like a reincarnation of Tom Brady. And then the second half came around. And what has the second half Chiefs defense been all season long? They have been nails. What have you seen adjustment-wise, either at halftime or just how they progressively gotten better, the defense for Kansas City, as the games have gone on? Well, you know, I think if you saw that first half, Hunter Henry and Devontae Parker had 101 yards between them in the first half. And that uh, Henry's number was being called a lot. In the end, he had seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown, had one taken away. Um, but, I, you know, in the end, I think that Steve Spagnuolo is able to make adjustments at the halftime, see what they're doing, and, and do the, the Bill Belichick, if you will, at halftime, to be able to make the adjustment to where – you know, he's taken away that first look, knowing the pattern of Bailey Zappi to look for Henry and the pattern of the what had been successful for them and take that away in the second half. And, and then, of course, let's give some credit again to the pass rush. 
You know, mm-hmm. he was under pressure at the beginning of the second half, and he forces the ball. God bless him. Thank you so much <laughs> for that nice interception to Willie Gay. And Willie Gay does a, does a great job returning the ball. Now suddenly we're on the seven-yard line, and we get that, that touchdown, and that suddenly opens things up. I mean, every one of those big plays, whether it's Kadarius Tony or, in this case, the interception uh, by Bailey Zappi, those are the plays that are turning point plays that can give the other team confidence. The less we do that and the more we get that from other teams, you know, in the end, that little bit of focus, that little bit of extra confidence, uh, football is an emotional game and you can concentrate, you can know, just like the kicker. I, I, I learned when I was lining up a field goal late in my career, I'd go left foot and explode. Do not try to be too perfect. That's the same mentality. Never forget. Uh, when we had our defense in 1986. Ladies and gentlemen, there was football back then, and we had a defensive coordinator in Walt Corey who basically let Mike Bell and Bill Moss and Art Still and all those guys, uh, Dino Hackett, to put their ears back and go for it, to not have to hesitate, to not have to think too much. And that is, you know, to me, that's when you start making some great plays because you're not having too much complexity and you also trust what the other guy's doing. You have confidence in yourself. You're not hesitating. You're not thinking, well, I better be a little careful. So now I take a stutter step back rather than, you know, going for the designed rush or the blitz or whatever it is that is your role on a particular play. Uh, I think the, um, the genius of a great coach is breeding that self-confidence into the players so they're aggressive and they're alert, but they don't have to think too much. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest as we are here live at Hollywood Casino. Nick, i got to ask you, since I am here live at Hollywood Casino, what's your favorite casino game? You know what? I am the worst blackjack player in the history of the world. In the world. I, I, I went on NFL cruises for three years with my mom and dad, and I would make a couple hundred bucks the back of the ship in the casino, so I, I thought I deluded myself in the thing I was good at blackjack. Then suddenly I began the longest losing streak in the history of blackjack. It doesn't matter if I got 21 face cards, then the dealer would get you know blackjack. And so the only one that does work for me is literally red and black, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, when you, when basically the simple 50-50 chance, that's the only time I have any chance at all. So I'm not really a gambler. I prefer to gamble on myself. And, and I want to give some kudos uh, again. I think uh, Harrison Butker, you know, I'm a little biased about kickers. And when I see a guy like that miss his first field goal and come right back, hit a 29-yarder, then come back again with a big 54-yarder, which made a big difference. I mean, when it was 27-17, to 17, it could have been 24-17. to 17. The other team would go one score and we're, we're tied up again. Those are big, uh, you know, transitions in the confidence of the team. Team's still got to keep playing it out. But uh, Harrison continues to, to me to show to focus. And, yeah, he bent his, his uh, ankle, as you said, because he wanted to just crush that ball, and he nailed it at a time we, need, we needed it. Chiefs all-time kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Let's take a look ahead here as they face Vegas and Aiden O'Connell. Chiefs facing three backup quarterbacks the next three weeks to finish out the season. Hopefully they can take care of business. What are you looking forward to as the Chiefs face Vegas? Who are you tabbing as your El Benito Yankee Tequila player of the game? Well, okay, everybody that's listening, don't tell anybody what I'm about to say, okay? <laughs> It's going to be between us, but I got a little secret for you. My experience has been when a team 
has a blowout, everything-goes-right game. That is the Las Vegas Raiders absolutely chewing up, destroying the Chargers 63-21 to with all sorts of plays, just miraculous destruction. The mo- I think it might have been the most points they've ever, certainly right at the very top. Every time they have a game like that, there's that little bit of a, well, I guess maybe we're going to be this good you know, the next week or we'll be close to it. So I feel that helps us, frankly. Um, but again, as we've learned, we can't take anything for granted. Uh, it's nice to know Pacheco's going to be back. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more fun con- continuing with mixing things up. Why don't we have two running backs in the backfield once in a while? Why don't we have three tight ends? Why don't we keep mixing it up? To keep those looks, that's what makes Andy Reid very arguably the greatest offensive genius and coach in the history of the NFL. And, you know, by the way, kind of interesting to see 500 coach wins between Belichick and Andy Reid hugging at the end of the game. I mean, that was, that's the first time those two have ever faced each other, which is hard to believe. Um, but Andy Reid is an innovator, and with Matt Nagy, I want to see more of those looks that, that just, you know, I mean, we, we've had the squirrely things, you know, where you, you line up everybody straight, you know, 11 guys in a row in one straight line, and all, you know, the circling play that we had, right, where everybody's doing a little circle around each other. But um, I, I like the personnel mixes, and, you know, Clyde reestablished himself as a threat, and uh, I do hope we see more of him. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry is our guest. All right, the game is on Christmas. Did you ever play a game on Christmas? You like you like Christmas Eve, Christmas. What 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 do you prefer Christmas there? Eve. Christmas Eve, get home well, from the family. As as, <laughs> hey, listen, listen, buddy. As long as Saint Nick's there, you know, there's something about the Saint before Nick that's got me going on on uh, on Christmas Eve. So. Uh, this St. Nick is going to deliver a present. Uh, I think every game for us has been pretty hard fought. But, um, you know, I think we need to deliver some presents to the Raiders in the way that we love to. The, the silver and black has a little uh, extra blue, you know, purple and blue bruises when they go home on uh, midnight on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, as as always, Nick Lowry is presented by El Benito Yankee Tequila. Again, pick a guy who you think is going to stand out for Kansas City in this game and give us a score prediction here. Well, I, I just think it's worth it to double down on a guy that, you know, never complained, right? You didn't see him in, you know, the interviews and talk about how frustrated he was. Clyde Edwards Hilaire Showed up. I mean, he wasn't. Wasn't he a number one pick from us from LSU? Yeah, first round, first round, thirty second overall. Thank you. Right. I mean, it was at the end of the first round, but still, he wasn't picked for nothing. He has got some talent. Uh, I wish. I say this every week. I wish we had one big pounding back. And Krishna Koye might be a little too old for that right now. But you know what I mean. When you when you've got one more different factor for them to worry about. When you got a two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty pound running back. Or maybe we just take one of our very uh, fluent and, and, and agile, very large defensive ends. I mean, I'd love to see Chris Jones play fullback a couple times and see what they can do with that. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, because he deserves to be recognized like a Jarek McKinnon running at the end of the Super Bowl and having the, uh, the team ethic to slide down to the one-foot line, not score what could have been a lifetime memory for the for himself, 
and yet seal the Super Bowl championship, the third one in 53 years, because he put the team first. I want to put that on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's, to me, the emblem that has been usually Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, the emblem of the team player that's going to give us the chance that are the keys to this team coming together and winning a fourth Super Bowl. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Nick, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And, And now, everybody, keep it really quiet now, all right? What I shared with you, no one tell anybody, okay, about the, about the Raiders having a letdown. Shh. <laughs> we will take a quick break right here, live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas at Speed. It's the KC Legend Show, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Again, I am Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Thank you again to Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. It was a pleasure talking to him, man. And I'm glad we had him on because I really wanted to get his thoughts on Harrison Butker because I was noticing him going down to one knee on every single kick, and it wasn't something I've seen from him all season long. So getting that insight on grass versus turf, just some of the elements that you don't really think about. You know, kickers sometimes don't know all the uh, intricacies that go uh, into what they do. That was nice getting his perspective there. Again, he missed one, but he bounced back with a 54-yarder. I think Butker is going to be A-OK. Again, since we are here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, everyone, Friday, December 29th, 25K, almost New Year's party from 5 p.m. until 10-24. Win a share of $25,000 in prizes. Activate your tiered entries at any kiosk starting at 4 p.m. Download the PIN app, uh, the PIN Play app, by December 22nd to receive one extra entry into the PIN Play app drum. Every 20 minutes from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., PIN Play members will be selected to win $224 in PIN Slot Play. At the top of each hour, you could win $2,024 in PIN Slot Play. And again, at 10.24 p.m., one winner will, will receive $2,024 in cash. That's December 29th right here, Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. All right, Dylan. I talked about it earlier on in the first segment. Now it's time to bring it up again. We've talked a lot about the wide receivers. We talked about how Sky Moore is now placed on the IR. We talked about how Richie James looking like he might get more involved, at least according to Andy Reid. But the other name that's been getting brought up a lot in my timeline on the X is Justin Ross. And I'm not saying Justin Ross can't do exactly what the other guys have been doing outside of Rasheed Rice, a.k.a. not knowing the routes and dropping balls. Having a guy who's had three catches in the NFL for 34 yards as the savior, I'm mind-blown by this. Now, I understand people keep going back to saying, well, he was so good in college at Clemson. Hey, I get that, man. But if you're seeing the same things about Justin Ross, you better be saying the exact same things about Kayshawn Booty for from LSU, who's now with the Patriots, right? Same thing. Guys who were studs their freshman year, really solid sophomore year, injuries and fell off junior year and then they get drafted we've seen nothing my, my point here is i'm not saying justin ross can't be anything but i i don't understand this blinded optimism in regards to a guy who again because of injuries 
went undrafted. I would almost call your optimism instead of blinded, desperate optimism. Mm. That's more not to pick at your points because they're great points. No, that's no, the go ahead. Only thing I would like change. Scab. Only thing I would change is it's more desperate optimism. And that's what it sounds like to me when I think of that is thinking that Justin Ross is going to be some sort of savior. It's just a desperate fan base, team, everyone thinking that. I don't think the team thinks that. I think sure. the team is very measured in everything that they do. Sure. I think that the fan base is desperate to see a change, and they think that that change is going to be the Justin Ross that played Alabama in the national championship game. It's the hope. It's, Correct. It, it, it's the hope, and desperation is the right call there. You know, I posed a question on the X. If you want to follow me, you can at Homestretch KC. And I posed the question again. Not this was a legit question. This is not me trying to take a shot at anyone, but I was I was trying to understand the thought process of why Justin. And the most common answer back was, "Well, then who else?" It right. is desperation. It's desperation. Yeah. it's desperation. It's you're not getting, um, you're not getting Devonte Adams. He's not walking through the door here in Kansas City. The only guy we have not seen much from is Justin Ross. The issue is he had, what, six targets? Was that what it was? He had two drops? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't know how much that's Something really like moving that. the needle. You know, we, we talk about him being a big body guy. And again, this is just a tiny sample size. And I'm not saying let's not see what he can bring. But what we saw earlier did not give me a lot of enthusiasm. He misses now seven games. If he comes back this week against Vegas, that's seven games missed. I don't see it. Right. Richie James I see more with. Yeah, Getting I mean, Rasheed Rice on the field for 100% of the snaps, which I actually had the breakdown here in front of me. It was lovely to see Rasheed Rice on the field for 92% of snaps, right? Well, he had to earn those snaps. Remember, yeah, he, had to earn, he had to earn so those snaps. All sarcasm laid into it. Um, no, I don't know. It's... I, I see where they're saying where let's see what he has. I do agree. Let's see what the kid has. If you if you're able to, if everything's good on the front of off the field, obviously, like if, if everything's good, let's see what the kid has. Sure. Because what what could be worse? Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. Again, I just that's sad. I want I want consistency though. If you think Justin Ross is that dude, here's the other thing. Better too. think Kayshawn Booty or I Booty think, is that dude for uh, for the Patriots. Very low bar to clear, but the. <laughs> I feel so bad for whatever receiver we draft or sign next year, the amount of pressure that is going to be on that poor kid. It's going to be absurd. So you better draft a kid that's able to handle something. Yeah. Like immense amount of pressure from a fan base that's clearly impatient with one year of struggles from a position group that we knew was going to struggle at some point without Tyreek Hill. Sure. They they didn't last year, and that's what it comes down to. I think that everyone's prediction – of last year being the year of regression, it's hitting this year. Yeah, the the rebuilding Clear. year. Right. They're, sorry, you don't rebuild with Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones. The retooling year. If you could go back in time, somehow you can't because they're two different years of eligibility for free agency. But boy, it'd be nice to have Jacoby Myers on the same deal that MBS is on because it is it sure. is the same deal. Yeah, but again, you don't know. And you, a little and bit say, more money. And, I think, and, the, three and, years. The, and the same thing. Do you still have the Super Bowl win? Because MVS was pretty clutch in the playoffs, right? Like, like they're, they're, it's always the butterfly effect. That, yeah, that, that's how, a game you're playing here. You and MVS just hanging on to that AFC title game for sure. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I know. I, I come know on. Not. But I'm saying, though, what I'm saying is I'm with you. everyone's 20-20 hindsight and free agency after the fact. So I can give you can say that it. and say that, yes, I think that Jacoby Myers would have been a better 
wagon to hitch to. I, I will say this in regards to Andy Reid starting to have a legitimate breakdown of dudes at wide receiver. I'm starting to enjoy more. Again, 92% of Rasheed Rice. That's great. Odds of a wide receiver playing 100% typically, especially as a rookie, not high. You know, we talked to Garrett Dieter here one time. He goes, what really stands out about those elite guys the guys that can play at such a high level, the uh, A.J. Browns, the Tyreek Hills, is not that they're doing it here and there. It's that they're doing it playing 100% of snaps. Right. Like he goes, I don't think you understand the stamina you have to have. Remember Tyreek Hill? I mean, just think about how much that dude ran. Motion back, motion yes. to the other side, then run 50 yards down the field, and then come and do it and again. Then, and then he goes, and the thing is, he goes, the thing that people don't realize, not just going down, but now you get to come, come back, back into the huddle. Mm-hmm. Maybe you take a hit. Maybe you don't. You're blocking. It. And so that stood out to me. So uh, my yeah. point here is 92% of Rasheed Rice is great. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see 192 is probably going to be the cap. So Agreed. I'm fine with that, okay? Agreed. Justin Watson, 68%. We talk all the time, at least I do. I think Justin Watson and MVS are almost one for one, right? Mm-hmm. Very similar skill sets. And so far this season. And in dependability. Dependability. Justin Watson's been Justin better. Justin Watson makes up the gap for any lack of skill. Sure. Yeah, I agree. And, and so you're looking at this. Justin Watson played 68% of snaps. MVS, 34%. That is almost exactly 100%. Yeah, that's, right? that's, that's a one for happen. one. Right. I'm, I'm fine with MVS getting the 34% and Justin Watson getting 68 Again, through the deep ball threats, there again comes into the point of the uh, stamina aspect and obviously some special teams as well, though uh, Justin Watson only played six snaps on special teams. Um, and then you get down to Sky Moore, 25%, which we will see where that goes. My best bet is Richie James, who played 3% of snaps. Okay, because Kadarius Tony ended up playing 40% of snaps in that game, uh, and at some point, enough is enough. You see Noah Gray fa- play 51% of snaps which is great because you know what that means? Mm-hmm. More 12 personnel. And what did you see, especially against the Patriots, when teams key in on Travis Kelsey, was it the first play, second play of the game, 31-yard, 32-yard catch from Noah Gray? If you watch that, how much emphasis was on Travis Kelsey and who was wide open? Noah Gray. Yeah, just got to catch the ball and not fumble it. But Noah Gray so far has been pretty yeah. reliable. Yeah. So. If you're going to have to That's take the away... the bar, by the way, that you have to clear... It's the Noah Gray bar. ...to be accepted in this fan base. <laughs> but you my, catch the football, and you go down to the ground without just fall. fumbling it. Just fall. But my, time. my point here is, if you're going to take, again, the 25% of Skymore, that's away now. He's no longer here. McCall Harbin, we will see. Right. Okay? So you're expecting Richie James to get an uptick in snap count because he played uh, two snaps. All right, now let's say Kadarius Tony. He played 40 snaps here, or 40%, 26 snaps total. You're expecting a cutback in him, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not going to give everything to Richie James after a guy's playing three no. snaps now, all of a sudden, or two snaps, they're going to play him, play right. him, you know, 45. That's not happening. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot more 12 personnel, a lot more Noah Gray. We'll go get Zach Ertz. If that, that, right? At this sure. point, would he be a better option on Than Blake team? Bell. Than, well, duh. <laughs> but I'm saying, would he be a better option than what you're trying to do with the offense that it's always been. Yes. I think so, too. But again, I, I, I'm all for seeing Noah Gray, his snap share, go up and up and up. Right. I like seeing him at 51. I like your idea of two, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping like we see 60. Person, or 12 personnel. 12 personnel. Like the it. Chiefs have been effective out of it. They can run out of it. They can pass out of it. Travis Kelsey can still be used if you want to as a decoy. Pacheco's your feature, basically. What if we start seeing a little uh, split T? 
get, it would get, be get, so get Pacheco poetic. And, uh, and, and Clyde out there. I was Clyde's catching say, the rock. It's, it would be so poetic <laughs> that the savior of the season would be the most beaten up chief of his entire tenure in CEH. If he came in and was somehow a great receiving back and change of pace. Uh, he, he, we, we, you know what? Wagon hitched. Clyde, come back. Come on. You look like Eddie Lacy now. Those quads take the Chiefs so. to the promised Rocky land. <laughs> this was the KC Legend Show right here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. For Dylan Michaels, I am Sterling Holmes. Sports Radio 810 WHB. We are out.